The Bible reading for today is from 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 1 to 21. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan into burdens, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore we are always confident, and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are all, we are we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, no by sight, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. With Lord, so we make it our goal to please Him, whether we are at home in the body. Or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. What we, what we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take us to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, some, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, and we do so long, no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He has committed us to the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Good morning, everybody. It's really good to be here today. And yeah, today we actually have a pretty light topic that we'll be discussing, death. And I'd like to actually start by asking, how often do you think about death? Your answer might be sometimes or not often, or maybe only when someone close to me dies. But the thing is, death is all around us. And when we don't have a solid understanding of death, it can be quite scary. It's an inescapable, unavoidable part of the human experience. As Benjamin Franklin famously said, uh, nothing in this world can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Death is simply something we cannot avoid in life, and that can be terrifying, 
So we try to avoid it for as long as we can until it's knocking on our door. So we need to be ready, like soldiers going to war. We need to know our enemy. The other crazy thing about death is, although we avoid thinking about it on a conscious level, the way we live our lives often tells a different story. Take, for example, billionaire Elon Musk. It says world's second richest person. However, in the time that I made these slides, he became the world's richest person. He's worth over a little, uh, a little over uh, 200 billion US dollars. And uh, he recently said in an interview, we don't want to be one of those single planet species. We want to be a multi-planet species. He's the visionary behind the company SpaceX, and his goal is to make space transportation affordable enough to colonize Mars. His ambitious goal is, to an extent, a way of trying to escape death by making his legacy in human history something that will outlive himself. The world lives in fear of death, and on a smaller scale, the way we live our lives can show that fear. From the ceaseless hours spent scrolling through social media to the time spent on limitless possibilities now available on the never-ending streaming platforms. We're a culture distracted, numbing the fears of what we can't control. It's a pretty tough topic. However, it's a very important one, because we're all going to die one day, and having a good understanding around the topic can remove the fear that surrounds it, which ultimately brings us closer to God. When we remove the fear of death, we can live for Christ and will be motivated to compel others to come to him too. That's why I chose this wonderful chapter from 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to prepare the way for his next visit to the city of Corinth. And one of his goals in writing was to remove any obstacle that would make that difficult or that would make it not beneficial to everyone. In essence, his name was to cause the people of Corinth to self-examine, which is exactly what we're going to do today. The first point we'll be looking at as we touch on death is that in Christ we have eternal life beyond death. And the second point is we have hope now and in the face of death because the Holy Spirit is with us now, which means we don't live in fear of death, rather we live to please Jesus. And that looks like us being messengers of hope. Point one. In Christ, we have eternal life beyond death. It might be worth starting by thinking about why death is something universally feared. As we all know, eventually every single person on earth will die, and that sounds confronting because it should be confronting. This should give us cause to stop and think about where we're heading when our time here on earth is done. If once this life is over, there is simply nothing, a complete and total lack of existence, then, of course, death is something that should be feared. If you were to believe that, then every moment of life would be a fearful one. If every choice you make could be the difference between existence and nothingness, however, for the person believing in Jesus, there is no need to fear death because we'll live forever beyond it. As Paul says in verse 1, For we know that if the earthly tent we have is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house, not built by human hands. Those in Christ can be comforted because we know that if our earthly tent, that is, our body, is destroyed, when we die, we'll have an eternal house that will live forever. When we die, uh, there isn't the end of the road for us. Unlike tents that are impermanent, transient, and temporal, the eternal body we'll have will be 
permanent, perpetual, and everlasting. The imagery here is just so fitting because, let's face it, being in a house is so much better than being in a tent. Sorry to all you camping fans out there, but it's true. (laughs) No one wants to live in a tent forever. And that's the power of the imagery Paul uses here, that this life is like living in a tent, but we all want to go home. And those in Christ will get there. Beyond death, those in Christ will live forever. And because Jesus promises to give them a body fit for eternity, a heavenly body, and not only is the heavenly body will be given more permanent than the earthly body, but it's one built by God. It will be a glorious body, redeemed and free from sickness and suffering, not like the current ones we have that are born into a world of sin, death and decay. That's why Paul goes on to say in verse 2, Meanwhile we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we're clothed we'll not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. That feeling of nakedness, of wanting to be clothed, of exposure, is something we all feel living in this world marred by sin. And that makes us afraid of death, because that's what sin does. It twists our trust of God, so that if we think of eternity, or life after death, we worry that we'll meet either nothingness or an angry judge. So we look to eternity as we would staring into a cold abyss, which if you've got any sense at all, would be rightly terrifying. The fear of death is not only natural, It's sensible if you don't know who God is. But for those in Christ, that fear is unfounded because we know who God is. We know that he loves us. We know that he sent his son, Jesus, to suffer and die in our place to forgive us and make us right with him. With Jesus, we can be sure that God is no longer angry with us and more than that, He's the one who rose Jesus from the dead to make him Lord of all. And he's the one who at the end of the age will raise everyone from the dead. And all those trusting in him, he will give them new, resurrected, sin-free, sickness-free, never-to-die-again bodies. For those in Christ, we can be comforted in life and not fear death, knowing where we're going. We're going somewhere free from burdens where we'll be clothed and no longer exposed, where we'll have an eternal body. In life, we don't need to fear death, because in Christ, we know where we're going, and so we can live for Christ and not in the fear of death, because we have eternal life beyond death. Which leads me to my next point. We can have hope in the face of death and in life, because the Holy Spirit is with us right now, In Christ, not only do we have comfort knowing our future is set, but that our hope is secured in the present too. As Paul goes on to say in verse 5, Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The word we translate uh, as deposit is the Greek word arabon. And this word actually has a very rich meaning and was used particularly in business transactions. It can be defined as a pledge or a guarantee that full payment would be made. It wasn't the full payment, but it guaranteed it. 
And the idea that God has paid this deposit for us to guarantee our inheritance is awesome. And the fact that the deposit he paid is nothing less than his spirit is actually mind-boggling, particularly as his spirit comes to dwell with those who trust in Jesus. In fact, that is a key sign that someone is trusting in Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is with them as they rely on Jesus. And that's a pretty great hope to have. And this allows us to persevere and not be fearful in this life or about the life to come. We don't need to live in the fear of death because the Holy Spirit is with us now, securing us in the present and guaranteeing the inheritance that is to come. And because God's Spirit is our guarantee and our security, we can always, always be confident and live by faith and not by sight, as Paul says from verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. In death, our living by faith becomes living by sight when we exchange the temporary residence of our earthly tent for the permanent residence of the eternal house, where we'll share a perfected, intimate fellowship with the Lord. On earth, we have a taste of this fellowship, and that's our deposit, that's our guarantee, the Holy Spirit. And because of this, we can have hope now, because the Holy Spirit is with us now, which promises that we're secured. Which brings me to the next point, that we don't live in the fear of death, rather, we live to please Jesus. For the believer, our future is set in Christ, and we're secured by the Holy Spirit, and we can know that our eternity is safe, and the present is safe too, as we have the Holy Spirit with us, as a deposit that guarantees what's coming. Because the future is set, and our present is secured, the believer should strive to please God, the one who will make all things right, God is just so good, as Paul recognizes in verse 8, where he says, I'd prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Here, Paul is saying he'd actually prefer to be with Jesus than to be here on earth. And he'll make it his goal to please Jesus while he's here. And since... uh, you know, Paul is on earth living for Christ. Um, he's going to make it his goal to please him, whether that means he will risk death or not. Keep in mind, this is the same man who not so long ago was actually killing Christians and was remarkably converted to the very faith he was trying to destroy. And he is totally convinced of the truth and the goodness of Christ. And he aims to please Jesus, even if it means his own death. He wasn't afraid of death because he knew where he was heading in eternity. And he knew the Holy Spirit was with him now. And so he happily lived to please Jesus. But if you need another reason to serve Jesus, Paul will give another one. One day we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. As he says in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body whether good or bad. And this judgment seat here and standing before it isn't to determine whether we're right with him or not, whether we're saved or not. That's dealt with completely and totally on earth 
in whether we believed in Jesus was who he said he was. The judgment here is actually one to receive what's due for what we did while in the body. It's a judgment on believers, not based on our righteousness or our right standing or our salvation. Rather, it's to receive what's due for what we did with our time here on earth, whether good or bad. This is a pretty amazing motivator when you think about it, to know that we're entirely saved by Christ, but the fact is, uh, yeah, there's nothing we can do to make him love us more, but the fact is our actions actually have consequences and they're meaningful. They, uh, what we do in this life matters. What we do to please Jesus matters. The bad stuff will come to nothing, but the good will come with an eternal reward. Whatever else that reward might be in life beyond death with Jesus, it's not going to be anything less than joyous. In fact, joy at the very least will be the reward we'll receive. The joy of seeing Jesus savor and enjoy the love we had for him while we were on earth. Take, for example, (laughs) earlier this year, uh, my wife, Ashley, had had a pretty hard day at work. She was pretty stressed out, and I could just tell she needed to um, relax, and I wanted to bring her joy. I wanted to make her happier. So I suggested she go take a long, warm shower, relax for a little bit, and while she was in the shower, I made dinner, lit some candles, and even had some chocolate there waiting afterwards. And as Ash came out, she looked a little more relaxed, uh, but still a little sad, until she saw everything and she shed a few happy tears. Not only was Ash now filled with joy, but seeing her joy brought me joy too. It's pretty amazing to experience seeing someone you love enjoying you love them. It's in the same way as we think of dying, and standing before Jesus' judgment seat to receive what's due for us, we don't need to fear that moment. Rather, by the Holy Spirit with us, we can look forward to that, which is a pretty crazy thing to get. That the joy set before us, we can actually live for Christ now. And a key way to please Jesus now is to be his messengers of hope. Which brings me to my last point, that we are messengers of hope and reconciliation. Paul, too, was a messenger of hope, knowing the hope of heaven and the Holy Spirit with him and the joy that was coming his way from Jesus for pleasing him. Paul wasn't motivated by the fear of death, but by Jesus' love for him and for us and for everyone. As he says in verse 11, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. The word fear here is not speaking of being afraid. Rather, it's more about being in awe and reverence and amazement. It's a deep, respectful love for Christ. It's a love that drives Paul to try and persuade others to come to Christ. It's a love that makes him work hard at making the message of Jesus as truthful and easy and commendable as possible for people. As he says in verse 12, we're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we're out of our mind, as some say, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. 
It's a love that is ultimately compelled by Christ's love for him first. As he says in verse 14, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but rather for him who died and was raised again. Amazingly, Jesus dealt with our sin in the past, and when he died for all, not just the saved, but those who will be saved. What he did in the past is exactly what compelled Paul, and what will compel us forward too. And so our motivation for service is not the fear of death, or our life ending, but rather it's Jesus' love for us and for everyone. Jesus actually loved us to death. And in love, we can no longer live for ourselves. Rather, we can live for the one who sent us. So it tracks that we'd want others to also want this, so they too can live in love and not in fear. When others are in the grip of the fear of death, we're the ones with a lifeboat off this sinking ship. We have a wonderful, wonderful message of hope. One that we can take great comfort in. It's one that enables us to not fear death and live for Christ as we do. As Paul says in verse 16, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. This is a tremendous message of hope. Our past is dealt with in the death and resurrection of Christ. And so, we can now live as the new creation. We can now live for God without fear of death or condemnation. That same message is the very message that will enable others to come to him too. In Christ's death and resurrection, he made a way for all to be reconciled to God, for all to be made right with him. And we're the ones who can share this message of hope with the world as ambassadors of Christ. As Paul says from verse 19, he has committed us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are, sorry, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Now, we may not be apostles like Paul directly sent by the risen Jesus to preach the gospel, but as those dearly loved by Christ, we should represent him wherever we are because we do and ambassadors live like ambassadors they don't live ashamed of who sent them or where they've been sent from or the message they've been sent to deliver rather they live as though they've been sent by christ as though they speak as the very representative mouthpiece of god himself and so it'd actually be remiss of me to not as someone who knows and loves Christ not to tell those who don't let yet believe in Jesus what this great message of hope is. And that might be you listening now. I need to tell you that you can be reconciled to God. 
if you believe Jesus is who he says he is, that he lived a perfect life, that he died in your place and took the punishment that we all deserve to make us right with God, and that he was resurrected and now lives forever. This is the message of reconciliation from God to you. As Paul says in verse 18, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he's committed us to the message of reconciliation. This is the message of reconciliation. This is what the word gospel means. It's quite literally good news. And those who know this good news cherish it, and we want to share it. We are now to be the messengers of hope in Christ. With the world, there is fear. There is fear of life in the face of death and fear of life after death. But with Christ, there is life beyond death. There is eternal life. And we've been given the Holy Spirit now as the guarantee of what is to come. So we no longer live in fear of death. Rather, we live to please Jesus by being his messengers of hope. Death is a fear that is basic to all people, and it's a fear that's warranted for those who don't know God. So, out of love for people who don't know God, and out of love for Jesus, surely we'll see the way to please him is to be his ambassadors, to share this message of hope. And it'd be awesome to be passionate about it in getting this message to people as truthfully and persuasively as we can because this message is truly a beautiful one and it's worthy of sharing before i became a christian i was afraid of a lot of things but once i believed in the reality of the gospel i began to i began to overcome those fears The primary fear for me and for a lot of people is what will happen to us after we die. Many years ago now, my brother, my older brother, was the one who first brought me along to church. And surprisingly, before he started going to church, he was a pretty stoic atheist for most of his life. But a friend preached the gospel to him and convinced him to come along to church. And surely enough, he became convinced of how good Jesus was too. And then one day he asked me to come along and check it out, and I too became fully convinced of the goodness of Jesus. And my life has never been the same either. I've gone from being the shy kid who was afraid of this life and the life to come, to now being able to preach in front of a crowd or a camera in this circumstance. And my love of Jesus and my trust in him means I'm free from all fear in this life and the life that will come after death. Because I know where I'm heading. Like this, who knows who you could be helping by sharing this message of hope? I wonder, how are you trying to share this message of hope with others at the moment? Because, as we've seen, in Christ, we have eternal life beyond death. And because we have hope now, and in the face of death, we have the Holy Spirit with us now. So we don't live in the fear of death, rather we live to please Jesus, which will look like us sharing the good news of the gospel to the world.
by being messengers of hope in a world that is in the grip of the fear of death. Please join with me as I pray for that now. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Jesus we can live lives that are free from fear, even free from the fear of death. We pray, Father, that you would help us to live lives that put complete trust in who you say you are and in the freedom that comes from not fearing death. We ask, Lord, that you'd press in our hearts just how wonderful it is to know that our future is set and our present is secured and our past is dealt with. We ask, Father, that you would help us to live to please Jesus now, that we wouldn't, that we would know we don't have to live in the fear of death. We we pray, God, that you would help us to be great ambassadors of this good news, that we'd spread the message you've given us. Please help us spread this gospel and let those who hear it, who hear this message, believe it, because it is a wonderful reality. It's one that frees us from all fear, all doubt, and all uncertainty. And it's one that makes us right with you. Lord, we ask that you would help those who don't yet believe in you to come to you, And Lord, we pray that you'd help us to take this task seriously. We ask that you take away all fear while we proclaim this awesome message. And we ask this, Lord, in your Son's mighty name. Amen.